Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 444. That's a 444. I'm Ryan Panagos, <laughs> aka Agent M. And I'm Lorraine Sink. 4444. Oh, that's pretty good. I like that. You're welcome. If you're just joining us on the show, or if you're with us every week, you know we talk about all the stuff that's happening this week in Marvel, whether it's games, comics, movies, TV, whatever. There's a whole bucket load of things happening and have happened in the last week, Lorraine. It has been wild because uh, right at the end of last week, Marvel Studios dropped some new dates and some new details, and we've got stuff to talk about. Oh, my goodness. I know... I have to say, we had a lot happening going on this week. First and foremost, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has new dates. And holy smokes, wait till you guys hear it. So obviously, we have Marvel Studios Black Widow coming this November. And then we have Marvel Studios The Eternals coming in February of 2021. And then we have Marvel Studios Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings coming May 7th of 2021. But they announced coming in 2022, moved on up. Marvel Studios' Thor Love and Thunder is coming in February, February 11th of 2022. And Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is coming in uh, March, March 25th of 2022, followed by, oh my gosh, you guys, hold on to your hats. Marvel Studios' Black Panther 2 coming in May, Marvel Studios' Captain Marvel 2 coming in July, and an untitled Marvel Studios film coming in October of 2020-2022. That is five films in one year. Ryan and I are going to be so tired. Like, I look look at this, right? I'm looking at our our document as we're talking about this, and it's 2022, and I'm like, ah, 2022, that's at least 15 years away. And then I remember, that's not. That is a year and, like, a year and a half, and we're, like, in the middle yeah. of promotion for these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting ready for all these movies. Within two years, we're already in the mix. Two years from now, we'll have already been through five of the movies, <laughs> five of the eight movies you just talked about. Yeah, I know. It's really, wow. really wild. And my favorite thing is, The way I found this out is because Taika Waititi, director of Marvel Studios' Thor Love and Thunder, retweeted an article about his film moving up and wrote, what the hell, I'm on holiday. (laughs) (laughs) And then someone just replied, not for long, (laughs) which I really enjoyed. So uh, you guys send your love to Taika, who is working overtime, uh, who has been probably pulled from his fun times at quarantine into uh, immediately working on the film so that we all have fun things to watch. This is going to be wild. I, I can't believe it. There's going to essentially be like a, a new Marvel film like every six to eight weeks of 2022. <laughs> 2022. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, we're doing a little something. So we've been watching some of the older MCU films. And I remembered as I was going through some things how close... Marvel Studios Iron Man and Marvel Studios Incredible Hulk films were. They were six weeks apart back in 2008. And so that reminds me of of this whole situation going on here. It's I'm ready for it. Let's do it. I know. Going back and watching those old movies, too, I have such nostalgia for when I was just a fan and I didn't know how any of the donuts were made. I was like, oh, remember when you just saw a movie and you weren't like, oh, man, I got work. You're like, oh, yeah. I mean, I still love the movies. (laughs) But now I'm like calculating. I'm like, okay, this is what I need to work on and what I need to know about. Uh, Lorraine, we should also talk about Sony because they have two Marvel movies, two Spidey movies that are coming out and they have new dates for those. Of course, we have the untitled Spider-Man Far From Home sequel, and that is now coming out November 5th, 2021. So that gives us another movie in 2021 to get excited about. Very hyped for that. And now on October 7th, 2022, we're going to have the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse sequel, which that's another movie for 2022, maybe making it the greatest Marvel year of all time. By far and away, the greatest Marvel year. I mean, that is six films. There's going to be three the year before that, which is not nothing. That's plenty. That's a lot of movies. We're, You know what? We need to start training our bodies now for 2022. That's what I've been doing. That's why I do all this yoga. I need to stretch. <laughs> Oh, you know what's been really fun, too, on the sort of Marvel Studios side of things is it's been the one year anniversary this past week of Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame. 
And this week is the two-year anniversary of Marvel Studios' Avengers Infinity War. And so many people have been posting pictures from the premieres. Uh, they've been posting their favorite lines on, on Twitter, you know, and their favorite moments from the film. And it really tickled me because Simu Liu, who's going to play Shang-Chi, uh, replied with a gif of Captain America after he'd kicked his own butt. And he looks at his butt and he's like, that's America's ass. Um, <laughs> as his favorite moment from Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame, which gave me a really solid tickle. You know, we had such a blast at the Endgame premiere. What was your favorite moment from the premiere, do you think? I think it was the whole, it was interacting with the fans who had been like brought in for it. Cause I had been on, you know, on the red carpet and we were doing a whole bunch of things, but then I got to go outside and we had a whole bunch of fans. Um, there was a, a proposal out there there were fans who had been waiting fans who were just like so excited amazing cosplay people in tears just the the energy around that was and always is at the marvel studios premieres so exciting yeah it was such a different premiere in a way because normally when we do a premiere most of the time we do them at the dolby theater which is the theater where they hold the oscars and it's in the middle of hollywood boulevard and it's like in the sort of classic old Hollywood feel all around it. And for this, they really wanted it, I think, a little bit more. They just had a different vision for it, and then they wanted it a little more contained. And so we were in the LA Convention Center, and there was like this, it was a huge uh, sort of domed building, and everybody was inside together, which I loved that AC. That was amazing. Oh, yeah. um, because it was so exclusive, and because it kind of had to be, because the casts are so huge, the whole building like was just chock full of people who worked on the film. It was all of the actors, all of the important people in the making of the film. And that was just really, really special and electric. And I've never been a part of a premiere quite like that, where it felt almost like the last day on set, kind of like everybody is coming back for the class reunion yeah. of being on set, yeah. you know? Um, and everybody was just having so much fun. I loved Scarlett Johansson and Chris Pratt stealing my mic and interviewing each other and... Robert Downey Jr. like storming the stage when uh, I was up with John Favreau and Gwyneth Paltrow and all of these amazing celebrities and RDJ just jumped up and it was just like a crazy party that happened and I was there. Yeah, I mean, and there was a crazy party after the movie. You remember they also built yeah. a theater, uh, which was a lot of fun way mm -hmm. to watch this big old movie. Uh, Lorraine, speaking of Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame, the directors of the film, the Russo Brothers, did a really fun watch along of the movie earlier this week on Instagram and Twitter. They were on Instagram Live for about an hour and then they were on Twitter as well. But there was a lot of fun behind the scenes details and little things that they tweeted about and talked about. They were also joined by Mr. Robert Downey Jr. himself on uh, the stream, which was pretty neat there's one point where he was just talking about like the feeling around it. And he said, quote, all time is very strange right now. There's cycles within cycles. It's been fantastic and a lot of introspection. And I won't say why, but I had an occasion to be interfacing with the other Avengers five days ago. And when we hung up, I just got this wave of, I'm sure for you, it feels like a year ago, you worked a thousand years straight. What that all <laughs> means for RDJ and the crew, who knows? But it's kind of neat for him and the other Avengers to be talking. But, you know, like the Russos were talking about working with Brie Larson and how for the oh, movie. Oh, yeah, they showed her first day on set, which was yeah. really sweet. It was really cool just because I, I was working, unfortunately, while they were doing a lot of the live, but I went back and I was reading through the tweets and they posted all of these behind the scenes videos of people's first and last days on set. Uh, there were just like all these cool little mentions where they'd kind of show a gif or a picture or something and be like, here is the real secret about what happened in that scene. And it was really cool. Um, I believe this is all collected also on marvel.com. So if you don't want to have to go back and like dig through the internet, you can just go to marvel.com and kind of see the entire tweet storm. Yeah, there's tons like how they got to I Love You 3000, some jokes that they had. They even mentioned Frank Castle. I won't say how or why. You'll have to read the <laughs> yeah, tweets that, I saw to that. see all that one. And, and just lots of fun details. I would definitely say if, if you want more behind the scenes for the film, definitely go check it out. Yeah. I also saw this recently going around. I guess there's a Disney Studios Awards page where you can read the Avengers Endgame script and somebody dug this up it's Tony's final scene spoiler for the film um, 
But there is the final moment in the final battle where Tony makes the ultimate sacrifice. And there's that moment where he kind of can't talk and he's looking at Pepper. Well, in the actual text, it says essentially that his final words are with his eyes saying, I'm sorry, as he dies in Pepper's arms. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh God, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. Oof. But like, go back and watch it and it makes you feel stuff. Oh my God. Man, yeah. Oh it, like, God. think about it from a husband and wife perspective and then, uh, you know, a father, mother perspective. Like, it's. I've already it's a told lot. my husband he can't die. And oh, good. That's the rule. I'm glad. Good He's for not you. allowed to. Nice. Yeah. I put my foot down. Never. Lorraine, there's a. Lorraine, there's a new Marvel mission this week, isn't there? Yeah, baby. Thor's hammer. Hammer time. Have, did you do did you do the Marvel mission last time? I know you talked about doing Catherine Grace, like putting her as a cap shield. Did you ever do it? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how I can turn Catherine into a makeshift Thor hammer. Can you get her a little onesie that says, like, if you uh-huh. be worthy and then just like put a little <laughs> stick above her, and then that's she's the little <laughs> sleeping curled up Mjolnir. Oh, yeah. If I can figure that out, <laughs> sure. Uh, otherwise, I've got a bunch of boxes and I've got like poster tubes. I think I can make a giant oversized Mjolnir, which I think could be really funny if I can get down to do it. Yeah, do it anime style. Uh, if you guys want to participate, it's super easy. You just create Mjolnir using safe household items. You have to take a picture and post it by May 6th. And then Marvel will choose their favorite and repost them and hashtag Marvel Mission. That's it. That's all you got to do. Oh, actually, speaking of Mjolnir, this is really, really cute. Um, our pal Amy Thunderjam, who works over for Sideshow, caught this on the internet and reposted it and I wanted to share it which was so cute Brie Larson posted a picture of herself with Mjolnir and wrote not to be whatever but I could totally lift it and Natalie Portman commented and wrote hey muscles easy with my hammer heart 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 Uh, which I just thought was so cute I'm so excited for Marvel Studios Thor Love and Thunder oh man I can't wait that year man woo it's going to be something else, 2022. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, let's shift gears a little bit because nominations for the Webby Awards were announced this week, and there's some really cool stuff. You guys can go vote uh, online. Go to webbyawards.com because Marvel has a couple of nominations up there. We were nominated for Marvel.com, Marvel Unlimited, and a really fun series called Today in Marvel History, which was a social video series that we worked on. Our pal, Adrian Cowan, she um, headed this up and... Uh, she let me help out a little bit with some of the scripts. And usually it was just like, yeah, you did good. This is great. Here you go. <laughs> I tweaked a word. Um, and then we had animation to it. And it was really, really cool. So um, please check those out. I'm sure we have lots of the Today in Marvel history up on Marvel.com and on our social pages where you can check those out. And also, uh, that's just the Marvel New Media side. We also had the game Marvel Strike Force nominated. The announcement for Marvel's Runaway Season 3 was nominated. And on the like a broader scope of things for Disney, we have Disney, Star Wars, Pixar, and Marvel all had Amazon skills nominated in the Webbies. So like these skills allow kids to train as superheroes using their Amazon Echo. They answer questions, they receive missions, they complete them. It's really, really fun if you have one of these uh, devices in your home. Yeah, it's really cool because um, actually these are great for kids right now because you want your kid to be amused and to use their body and to... <laughs> not bug you while you work this is like a moment for you go find that um also go vote for it (laughs) yeah it will be awards.com and then uh oh also it's almost here uh marvel's agents of shield released new key art there it's a sick super cool poster style it kind of reminds me of the old school star wars posters Um, Where it's like all of the different sort of busts of people, but it's got a real noir sort of sci-fi feel. It's super cool. And a new trailer hit this week. You guys should go watch it over on Marvel.com. We're getting a peek at Sousa coming from Marvel's Agent Carter into the show. So uh, go enjoy it. It's the final mission. That's what they say. Go look for that poster and the trailer on Marvel.com or on the Marvel YouTube if you want to watch the trailer. Hey, but uh, Ryan, you know what's coming up? This Monday is May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. How are you <laughs> celebrating and all of that? I know, I mean, 
you and Elizabeth together are are quite a Star Wars duo. I, I enjoy a Star War. She loves a Star War. And actually, her birthday is May 5th. So we're trying to figure out, you know, like, I'm going to make her a cake. And maybe I'll try to make it a Star Wars cake. First, I have to figure out how to uh, make a cake. I have a great idea for you. Please hit me. Okay. So this is what you should do. You should buy a box cake. Do not try to make one. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> But get some get get a box of cake stuff, and then get like cake pans, like the long skinny ones. Basically, like a triangular pan, like one that's more skinny, and then just make a long cake and paint it like a lightsaber. Ooh, because that's like pretty easy. Or you could just make one big cake and then cut it up and shape it and then frost it. Yeah, I mean that all sounds like things that could happen. <laughs> Who knows if that's if that's what will happen? I have seen you <laughs> decorate, <laughs> and you're a madman. So, like, I feel like this would rein you in. Ooh, yeah. I don't know. You give me that kind of control over a food stuff, and I'm just liable to go crazy. Uh, so we'll see. I, I'm definitely making her a cake. Whether or not it will be Star Wars themed is dependent upon. Can I get the things that will let me do that? But we'll probably end up... If you up... really love her, you'll make her the child cake. That Can you imagine what it'll look like if I try to make a tiny... <laughs> it will look oh so gosh. evil. Uh, that I almost like that challenge. <laughs> we'll see. If I do make something like that, I will post about it. Uh, but, you know, we do have all nine... Actually, every Star Wars film is now on Disney Plus as of May 4th. So there's a really great time to, you know, dig into some of them. We did do a rewatch of all the films at the end of 2019, which was a lot of fun. But you never know. We might want to get back into watching some more. It's really going to be up to her because it's her birthday. What about you? Um, Yeah, I think we're going to try to do a Star Wars movie marathon, especially now that we can watch all nine of those core films all like one foul swoop also i might i might dig into some of the old star wars comics because i really have loved you know going back on marvel unlimited i love all the new stuff that we're doing now i think it's really really great and it's been so phenomenal but i kind of love to go back and read the comics when like nobody was watching (laughs) (laughs) you know like they were just writing stories and having fun and doing their own thing like the star wars droids books that i read a while back tickled me so much because it's essentially just the story of the droids behind the scenes that you never saw during the film and then they just like roll up at the end and they're like we got here (laughs) they're real cute uh yeah they're so fun and like the old ewoks comics they're like crazy i just love it yeah if anybody out there wants some other suggestions i think the star wars infinities are really fun. They're basically what ifs for Star Wars and they're alternate mm. realities for the the films. And so you can go through and see a different path that they could have taken. The Tag and Bink. Have you ever read the Tag and Bink comics? I don't think so. Oh, Tag and Bink are great. It's like um, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, but in the Star Wars universe, they're just like two dudes who are like at all these major points of the Star Wars stories and they just bumble through things. And it's hilarious. It's really, really fun. We have that stuff on Marvel Unlimited. I love the Tag and Bank stories. They're great. Yay. Happy May the 4th, everybody. Happy May the 4th be with you. Uh, Lorraine. Hey, what's going down? What's happening on Marvel's The Pullist? (laughs) What's happening on Marvel's The Pullist this week, Ryan? Uh, Well, thank you for asking. So this one, um, this week is really, really fun because we decided... Okay, we wanted to have Teeny Howard on. Teeny writes Excalibur comics for us. She writes um, Strike Force and a whole bunch of other stuff. And we haven't had Teeny on pull list yet. So we were like, all right, let's have Teeny on. And we asked her what she wanted to talk about. We we said, pick a a storyline that's in Marvel Unlimited. We'll read it together. We'll talk about it. She's like, Dark Rain. And I was like, whoa, Dark Rain is about 70 issues. And it's an overarching, like period in comics let's focus that down and talk about dark (laughs) avengers 
and the one shot that led us into Dark Rain. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute, but it would make a lot more sense if we also read Secret Invasion, because Secret Invasion yeah. is what leads directly into Dark Rain. And I wanted to have Tom Brevoort on to talk about Secret Invasion because he edited it and he gave us so much cool information about Civil War. So we ended up doing a whole big episode with Tom and Teeny. And we've split it up into two parts. So this week we're doing Secret Invasion with the two of them. Tom giving so much cool information, so much behind the scenes stuff. And all like me, Teeny and Tucker just gushing uh, like crazy and asking questions. And then next week we're going to do Dark Rain focus with uh, Teeny and Tom as well. So it's very exciting. A lot of fun. Also, I want Teeny to be in my girl gang. I'm mildly obsessed with her. She's so great. She is so awesome also i just love that her instagram is like the goth girl grown up that i've always dreamed of <laughs> just being yeah in my mind although i was never goth couldn't couldn't hack it you were rockabilly right i was yeah you were you guys the late 90s early 2000s were a weird time in america yeah they were Ooh, ryan i've got a question of the week this week yes go i would like to know what is your favorite star wars comic book uh what is your favorite run specifically from them old days from them old days yeah that could be ever anything from the original marvel run through to all the great stuff that dark horse did uh that's a lot of cool comics it sure is and you can tweet us your answers using the hashtag this week in marvel you can email them to us at twimpodcast at marvel.com or you could send us a message on our facebook page at facebook.com slash this week in marvel yeah. oh uh if you want something real freaky weird alan moore wrote two stories for star wars in the uk called devil and you can find them in the devil worlds books those are on marvel unlimited those i remember buying those uh, when i was like i don't know 18 or 19 or whatever it was and i was like this is so cool and uh <laughs> I, I still read them every once in a while now I, honest to God, am obsessed, obsessed with your pictures of you when you're like 12 years old. I just feel like we need, we'll find a way to spotlight them in This Week in Marvel, but I feel like they deserve a moment. They just deserve a moment in the sun. Uh, oh, you mean me and my Bart Simpson eat my shorts t-shirt posing while I'm at summer camp? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, my God. All right. We got to talk about some community stuff because we got some great tweets in here. First one is from Sarah Pizzell at Sarah Pizzell. She says, to answer this week's twim question. I think this was last week's twim question or two weeks ago. Anyway, she says, to answer the question, my favorite book that I own is Amazing Spider-Man number 31. This issue and also Stan Lee helped me to learn to never give up. You could do anything you set your mind to. It's so Aww. good. Spider-Man, you know, having to battle back from D the dark night of the soul where he overcomes his worries and like lifts the junk. Yes. You know. All right. John Swindle at the Swindler 90 said, I could listen to Chris Claremont talk all day. Great interview on This Week in Marvel with Agent M and Lorraine Sink. My favorite story of his is definitely God Loves, Man Kills, but runner up is his Extreme X-Men run. I, I like that you um, dig into his Extreme X-Men run, John, because that's that's cool. And it's a latter day X thing from Chris. Um, but I know. Um, our friend Alex Segura, who's president of Archie, he's a big Extreme X-Men fan. I've talked to him about that book a bunch of times. Um, really good. Karis Pollard, agent of girl at a Karis Pollard says, just listen to Twim to start the week. I've been trying to get into the X-Men forever. I may try your recommendations, but House of X and Powers of Ten is the first X-Men series I've read all the way through. And I also read the new X-Men issue, so I may have finally cracked them. We're doing it, Lorraine. Congrats. We're making it happen. We're doing it. Yeah. Hawksbox is a great place to to start. I mean, it's kind of got its own fresh feel. So you don't have to start with issue one <laughs> to get into something. That's right. But yeah, it, I always want to hear about everybody's adventures diving into new Marvel stuff that they weren't previously into. So keep us posted, Karis. Anybody else out there, let us know if you're just starting a new series or character or something you've been curious about what you're diving into these days. 
Next up, we've got Scott Factor at Scott W. Gregson, who said, X-Men comics, Mount Rushmore, Stan, Chris, Byrne, Louise. No modern X-Men without Louise Simonson, which I love. I, this is so great. I, I, you know, this is so great. Scott tweeted that, and I was like, that is such a good point, because Louise Simonson, so important to creating X-Factor, and X-Factor had such an important like part of... 80s and then into the 90s of everything that was going on with the x-men and and she had a you know a lot to do with it all especially because she was editor for the x-books for a really long period of Mm -hmm. time and of course while chris claremont was the writer and you know you had burn there and like so many amazing creators it's wheezy aka louise simonson who was behind the scenes keeping it going that is such a good point scott thank you for that one because that is really 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 like well stated much agreed yeah and we've got an email from our pal jason kim he says aloha from hawaii i know this saturday may 2nd was supposed to be free comic book day because of what's going on i still want to give shout outs to these local comic book shops dragon's lair and Westside comics and games on oahu maui's comics and collectibles Cowabunga Comics in Okanamawak, Wisconsin. Uh, some great shops there. So if you are in Maui or on Oahu or in Wisconsin, please check out these shops. And Jason also says a big mahalo for all your hard work and putting out new episodes every week during these times. Stay safe and aloha. I love getting to still record from home. It's awesome. Honestly, I really look forward to doing this every single week. It is one of the highlights of my week. Yeah, it's it's really good to to be able to see your face and just, like just chat and and like feel like there's a semblance of normalcy. It's time for our interview, and this week we have Marvel Comics editor Danny Kazem on. Danny works on a whole bunch of cool books. He's worked on like Absolute Carnage and um, a lot of cool, creepy, weird, Spidey adjacent books. Scream: Curse of Carnage uh, is one of the books, and Lorraine it even showed up on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, that's right. Heidi Gardner, who is an SNL cast member, just had that screen book sitting in the background. But it makes sense that she's a comic book fan because she's married to comic writer Zeb Wells, amongst many other things. Yeah, uh, He does many things. <laughs> Zeb's been doing some great work for us uh, at Marvel. And um, Danny's been a part of that as one of the editors on Zeb's books. Hi, Danny. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Hey, Lorraine. Hey, how are you doing? Doing all right. You know, doing doing the best we can. <laughs> That's all we can ask for. Just do the best you can. But it's good to hear your voice, Danny. Um, I, I don't know that I've ever asked you this, but uh, specifically also for our, um, our listeners, you know, you're uh, an editor at Marvel. But how did you become a Marvel fan? What's your Marvel origin story? Ooh. So when I was a young boy in, I'd say, the... the early 90s my grandma took me to the local mall around here in in new jersey the freehold mall and uh and there was spider-man signing comic books what i know crazy right (laughs) and so young young danny got a comic book signed by spider-man and uh and i think that really was what like put a put a spark in me And then around that time, the Spider-Man cartoon had started in 94. And from there, I just started gobbling up any comic books I could get. But it it mostly started with the the reprints in the 90s. They had a series called Spider-Man Classic, or Classics. And uh, the, the first one I had was the Sandman issue. And it was the early Lee Ditko Spider-Man. They just had a new cover on it, but it was the classic, you know, Stan and, and Dicko Spidey. And so from there, I, I went to the regular series. I was reading Amazing and Spectacular and right on the cusp of Maximum Carnage leading into the Clone Saga. And, you know, just just went down that rabbit hole from there. What what a bunch of good classic years. I have literally never heard of anyone being like, my first comic book signature was Spider-Man. <laughs> Both Ryan and I, little our bells got rung by that, by that sentence. I want to tell the two of you a fun story. Uh, so when I was a kid, we had uh, a mall on Long Island called the Roosevelt Field Mall. And I was there with my mom. I, I don't know. I must have been 10 or 11. And we went by the CD store, which I think was like Record Town 
or the music junket or some, some you know weird name. cassettes 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 i mean like that's not far off but we went by and there was a signing there was a band signing and so my mom being sweet wonderful lady that she is she took me in and we had four scraps of paper signed by a band the band was Alice in Chains. And I'm a what? little kid. I'm a little kid. I don't listen to them, but my mom was like, we're going to get their signatures. They sign it. We leave. We look at the signatures. And one of the signatures is to like, to a wrong name. And then we have, like, my mom takes us back in. And I think it was the singer, Lane. He, we, we tell him and then he signs another piece and says, sorry, I'm deaf because of the, like the he has massive hearing loss from being in loud rock concerts. hundred percent. And I will always remember that. I was like, so sweet. Like they're signing scraps of paper for a little kid who doesn't know them. So I always have like a soft spot for weird autograph signings. See, me, on the other hand, one of my prized possessions as a small child was a signature from Jack Lemon on a magazine. <laughs> on a magazine promo for one of his films. And I'm not sure I knew who Jack Lemmon was, but I knew he was very famous and therefore this was a big deal. <laughs> so, you know, we all have different things. Um, Danny, I was going to ask you, when you were a kid, was there somewhere that you got your comics? Did you go to a proper comic store? Or like, I know I went to the grocery store when I first started reading comics when I was really little because that's where you could get them in the tiny place I was. But what about you? Yeah, so those Spider-Man classics were actually from a bookstore that was like two doors down from our regular grocery store that I don't know if the chain still exists, but they were called Grand Union. And anytime I went food shopping with my mom after that, they had a spinner rack. So I don't even know what aisle it was, but it was it was literally in the middle of the aisle. There was just a spinner rack with comics. And so that was pretty much where it started for me actually buying comics eventually you know i was able to find comic stores later on but initially it was it was the the supermarket it was the the easiest way to to find them and get them as a kid you know you're probably going to the supermarket at least once a week you know with your mom so mm -hmm. it's uh it was great it was great memories danny i want to get into a little bit about how you got started at marvel but first were you a model for Ralph Lauren? <laughs> I can't confirm or deny if I've ever done modeling, but I did for sure uh, work for the company for about eight years. Many different capacities, many different stores and roles. Um, I was 18 and a girlfriend at the time, she had a friend that was working at one of the stores. And for me at the time, I was working in the kitchen at a nursing home, which I loved. It was it was a great job. But I was like, yeah, like, I, I kind of like clothes. Like, let me let me try out, you know, Ralph Lauren. And and uh, slowly but surely, it, it was just a, a snowball where I just really loved the, the vision and the lifestyle of it all. And uh, Going to Paris, walking the runways. Yeah, you know, again, can't can't confirm or deny any of that. Um, uh, but I eventually found some of my uh, some of my closest friends while working at this shop called Rugby Ralph Lauren, which is now a defunct brand. But at the time, uh, met some of my closest friends, and uh, one of my friends, Christian, he was a big comic book fan, but. You know, we kind of grew up in a time where there there haven't been 20 Marvel movies or, you know, so many TV shows and, and video games and, and all of the things that are now a staple, a pillar in, like, entertainment. And now it's, you know, it, it is pop culture. But at the time, you know, comics were a little nerdy, a little geeky. Not that they aren't still, but... You know, some people didn't feel comfortable, you know, reading comics in, in public. And so my friend Christian, he came down to the, the break room and I just had whatever that week's stack of books there that I, I had gotten from probably Forbidden Planet because we it was like right around there in Union Square. And he was like, you're you're just you're just reading comics like out in the open. <laughs> People will know. I was like, you know, I love comics. Like, that's who I am. So I, I don't feel like there's a need to, like, hide that. 
And so that was just a huge paradigm shift for him. And the next day he came in and he was, uh, he planned on rereading Sandman. So he had that first trade and he was, he was sitting there in the break room just reading Sandman and it really like opened him up to, you know, getting back into books and on a, you know, on a weekly basis. It helped, you know, kind of jumpstart his love of comics again, which was great. And he and I have been talking, especially now, uh, you know, I've been going through and, and bagging and boarding my books. And there's something just so, like, cathartic about doing that. And he he's also a big, like, bag and boarder. And it's just, it's a, you know, it's such a, a, a weird, small little task, but it, it still, you know, it has a lot of meaning. I love going through and, like, getting angry at a piece of tape, but, like, knowing that, like... <laughs> It's all part of the not being like, able to separate the plastic and just like you're doing all the things and you're like, OK, got to get this in. I got to, you know, not mess it up. And we're pulling them out and like finding the way so the tape doesn't get. Uh, there's just a little comfort to it all. <laughs> the little nuances of it all. <laughs> so then how were you Hyde Pipered away from the runways and the. <laughs> The, the fast lifestyle of a Ralph Lauren model to get into comic publishing. So the fame wasn't all it was cracked up to be. So, so when, I, when I moved to New York in, in 2010, the plan was to get into comics. That was, that was the goal. That was coming to New York, the mecca. You know, this is where Marvel Comics exist. And it took about three years and I realized... I had taken zero steps in that direction. And so I decided to end my time at at Ralph Lauren uh, for the time being and came back to New Jersey, went back to school, and eventually got an internship with a different comic book publisher. And that was around 2015. And then I worked there for about three years and then eventually took a break to do some freelance editing. But at the beginning of 2018, uh, I, had, I had previously been in contact with uh, one of the, the sweetest guys I've ever known. And I'm, I'm sure you guys can attest to, uh, Ricky Purden. And I'd been in touch with him through one of our uh, mutual friends who he had worked with at DC. And I had worked with at, at my previous publisher. And... Eventually, my name had come up, and I had done a few different interviews with a few different people, and Darren Chan brought me in to get coffee with him and Jordan White and C.B. Sabolsky. And I was like, oh, this, this might be a real thing. This might actually happen. I might actually be able to be at Marble, like the place I had always wanted to be since I was a kid. And every step of the way, I didn't really believe that it was real. Still to this day, don't. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I've, I've been here for almost two years now. Something like that. I mean, the time, it, it doesn't feel like it's it's been that long or short. And it just, it's, it's wild. I like that story because it's inspirational because I know we have a lot of fans, a lot of listeners who like they're like oh i would love to to work at marvel i get messages i'm sure lorraine gets messages of just like hey how do i get a job at marvel and it's you know of course there are so many different types of jobs and different skill sets and different things but the idea of persistence and and possibility is is i think helpful for a lot of people out there yeah and and especially for me growing up i was an art kid like i thought i was gonna draw comics when I was younger. And in, uh, in high school, you know, when our teachers were trying to show us how to do still life or understand Curoscuro and, and all of these things, all I wanted to do was draw Spider-Man. And when I got older, I realized, you know, the lessons they were, they were trying to teach. Um, but, you know, trying to talk to a teenager about, you know, drawing something other than Spider-Man can be tough. So... <laughs> Uh, so eventually I started looking into the writing aspect of things, but the more I spent looking at comics and when I was at the, the publisher that I started at, you know, I got to see, cause it was a small publisher, only about 20 people in the company. So I got to see the entire 
the entire machine of of sales and marketing and and editorial and publishing and all these different things and i really saw that being an editor was really the exact place i wanted to be you know being able to work with the writers and artists and inkers and colorists and letters cover artists and be able to help you know build a world within a book and be able to provide that for other people that kind of you know entertainment and and world building it's a dream i i think that leads us into a cool place because you know a lot of comic fans have an idea of what an editor does but don't we don't always get to to like understand it and understand the place in it and like you know particularly for you coming in you obviously have a lot of spider-man knowledge and a lot of you know passion for carnage and venom and stuff and you you actually work on venom and and spider-man books and and street level characters and stuff like that like how does that work what is what is it like for you to be an editor at marvel what does that mean and then specifically getting placed into like hey you're gonna work on this book so the kind of overview of like the role of an editor is you you kind of are the casting director depending on the world you live in so like you said I'm I'm in the venom and carnage and spidery world um so understanding at the base what those characters are who they are what they represent and understanding the type of voice whether it's the writer or the artist finding the right voice for that character and that book and understanding what a reader may be looking for, whether they realize it or not. It's interesting because the editor also has a, a very interesting job in sort of shaping the story and the world and all of that stuff, you know, in a, in a very sort of directorial sort of producer almost role. What was it like for you when you first came on board and you get to work with these really prolific, amazing, incredible creators. <laughs> and you suddenly get to be like, actually, on page two. It can it can always be intimidating at first, especially, you know, working with creators that you you may have had an affinity for and, and loved their work. You know, it can seem daunting to have to provide notes or, or, or help mold the story or give art direction to an artist that's, you know, been working in the industry for however many years. But having that knowledge of they've, for the most part, always worked with editors. So there has always been someone that's been a helpful guiding hand to them. So there's there's always a, a strong editor behind great creators that help build the world. I imagine for you, it's also kind of cool just to think of like the lineage of you know you're like a descendant now of stan lee in some senses of like he was the editor back in the day and it, as that moved on you're just picking up those reins for someone else to come along like the stewardship of this whole thing is kind of wonderful since you've been here at marvel has there been any sort of mentorship to ryan's point of sort of joining the greater marvel bullpen family have you gotten any great Marvel editing advice or learned any tricks of the trade since you've been here with us? Oh, absolutely. Every day is a learning experience. And to be able to work with all of the editors that are here, that have been here for, I mean, with someone like Tom Brevoort, who just celebrated 30 years, is incredible. You know, every year he will have a crash course on what is... Marvel editorial, you know, what is your role? And I've been lucky enough to, to see it twice now, um, but it's always nice to have that kind of refresher because as you work, you know, through the year, you may start focusing on certain things with certain creators because you know certain things work, certain things don't. And so you may not be flexing all of the, the muscles you have because you don't have to with certain creators. So it's always helpful to have that kind of uh, refresh every year. But on the day-to-day, I mean, working with people like Devin Lewis and Nick Lowe is incredible. There's always something to learn. No matter how many years you spend in the business, you're always learning. 
you're working with all these other editors, you know, you each have different roles in different books, but there are some times when you're being the main editor for a title. What, what's the difference in, in terms of like what, what that's like for you of assistant editing versus sort of being the main editor on a book? I mean, there's always a, a, a level of intimidation being the lead editor on a project. You know, I feel like when you're an assistant, you're the helpful guiding eyes of, you know, this is the direction we're going, you know, read through these scripts, see if anything seems wonky, and we're able to really support the lead editor. But being the lead editor, you kind of have to be comfortable in the decisions you're making because you are the one that's leading this book. You have to really trust your gut. There's always a, a healthy bit of, of, is this the right choice for these characters? Is this the, the right way to, to frame the page? Is the pacing right? You know, but you just really have to trust your gut. You know, over time, you're, you're going to get better at it. You're going to build, you know, stronger skills. But I think there's always a, a tiny level of, you, who knows? You know, because you're also <laughs> so close to it. And that, that sometimes can be hard. You can't really get a read on something because you've spent so much time with it and so much care on it. You know, it's like having a child to a certain extent. You know, it's, it's your little baby and you've, you've helped build this thing up and you really have to wait and see how the audience takes it. It's so hard to create taste, right? To your point, like you have to just say like, I think this is what is good and have the confidence to just say that and be like, let's go with that. Is, but is there something that you sort of feed your brain uh, to help you feel confident in those decisions? Yes and no. I mean, definitely I will always continue to read new things that are coming out, read some more classic things, try and watch as much film and TV as I can, just to kind of take in all the, the forms of entertainment and see what's to my taste, you know? Uh, we are, as editors, tastemakers, you know, essentially. Like, we are the ones that are helping mold these books for the audience. And, you know, the audience really is the one that decides, you know, if, if these projects, you know, continue for, you know, years to come. But something interesting that, that you just made me think about, um, uh, when we were in the office, every week, almost every week, we would try to have a reading circle. Tom Brevoort would always pick one or two books and everyone would read them and we'd meet once a week and dissect them. And one thing that has more recently stood out to me, we had gone over a facsimile of, a, of an amazing Spider-Man issue and it was a, a Larson Venom Spider-Man before you keep going, for our listeners who don't know what the facsimiles are, these are like exact reprints of uh, a comic from when it was originally printed in, you know, whether it's the 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s, complete with ads, and try to get it as exact a replica of that comic for someone who would pick it up today. And they're like, uh, you know, we make them affordable to sort of get that sense of what it would have been like to pick up that comic back in the day. Yes. And... One of the things that we would start to notice was the, the pacing of the pages and how when it comes to comic book art, at least early on, there is an aftermarket for uh, comic book art. So you want to make sure for a lot of those artists that the pages can be sold. So you always kind of want to make sure there's something cool, splashy, that looks awesome on each page, you know, so it may not end up being, you know, too many talking heads or, or what have you, but especially during the McFarlane and Larson and, and Bagley Amazing Spider-Man days, every page had something awesome on it. So that's something that these days I think more consciously about just because, you know, I remember as a kid, I, I wasn't initially, like, reading the comics. You know, I'm sure as most kids were. They're looking at the pictures. You see a cool Spider-Man or Green Goblin or Hulk, you know, and, and if the writer and artist and editor 
are doing their job right, you should be able to read that comic without reading a single balloon. You know, and when I was a kid, you, you could do that. And so thinking more about that these days and making sure there's always something cool, something exciting on each page uh, is, is something I definitely have been thinking about looking back on some of the older stuff. With all that said, what are some recommendations you have of things that you like right now based on the way your taste may have been changing and updating and the things you'd like to see, um, some stuff that maybe our listeners can go check out? I actually just recently started going back to check out some of the early Peter David Hulk. Peter David was, I think, one of the, if not the longest running Hulk writers ever. And his run uh, has some incredible storytelling weaved throughout Bruce Banner and Hulk's lives, seeing the different subplots and characters and all of this that, that eventually builds to bigger things as it continues down the line. And the early Michelinie, uh, McFarlane, Amazing Spider-Man stuff is, is just incredible. It's so funny that you mentioned that Peter David run. Um, I just did a panel with him over at the New York Public Library a few weeks ago, and he talked about how he like, snapped up the Hulk run because at the time there was nobody super interested in doing it. He felt like nobody was really watching him at that moment, and he just did what he wanted and ran with it uh, for a lot of that run. And and I mean, that's, that's one of the, the cool things about comics is there aren't any bad characters. Like, you can do incredible stories with characters that people may have never heard of and they suddenly will become one of the biggest things. Yeah, I mean, look at the success of Squirrel Girl who was like this one joke character who went into Ryan North's run and just became like such a phenomenal like fan favorite. Yeah, she's she's now a, a, a staple, you know? Uh, Danny, I have one request before we let you go is, uh, for you to somehow shepherd along the ultimate Angar the Screamer story, the one that we've all been waiting for, something that'll really show the world that there are no bad characters, that there are, there's gold to be mined from someone named Angar, and I love, I love Angar the Screamer. I think there's potential there. Hmm. We'll see. We'll see. There you have it, folks. We're getting a big Angar the Screamer run in 2021. Give it to me. (laughs) Thank you, Danny, for hanging out with us. Of course. Thank you guys for taking the time. Big thanks again to Danny Kazem. Uh, You can check out a lot of the comics that he works on on Marvel Unlimited. Of course, Absolute Carnage and the Scream issues, uh, both the Absolute Carnage issues and soon the Curse of Carnage issues and plenty more. That about wraps it up. And this episode of This Week in Marvel was produced by Percy of Berlin, Zachary Goldberg, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our audio development manager is Brad Barton. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And special thanks to May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. And this is Marvel. Your universe.